Welcome back to Rocky Unscripted, where we talk about faith when... Sunday's over. When Sunday's over. Uh, Thank you, Amanda. And Matt, I didn't you think had, it was ever going to be over. have you ever listened to this podcast? <laughs> I didn't know what the tagline was, and now I remember. <laughs> Let me ask you again. Have you ever listened to this podcast? Yes. Yes, I have favorite episodes. What's one of your favorite episodes? When I was singing the wrong lyrics. That was, <laughs> that's, that's a, a good one. one. That's a good one. Are um, your favorite episodes always when you're on it? No. I've listened to other episodes. <laughs> I don't believe you. I have. I no. have. Big questions. I listened to that one. Yep. We haven't done that in a while. We need to We need to find um, some new people to interview, though. When you had Mitch on one time? Mm-hmm. Boring. <laughs> Pass that one up. <laughs> we need to have him back. We yeah. should have him come you, back and talk about Enneagram with, with all of oh, us. Oh, that would be oh, real good. And he be could be good. like, he'd be yeah. like, this is why you do this, Matt. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I called him out on something Enneagram yesterday in a meeting. He did not like it. Oh. What do you mean? I called him out. What do you mean you called him out? Well, he's trying to do something, you know? Uh-huh. He was trying to work this, you know, situation. And I just said, hey, you just need to tell him this and stop doing your Enneagram <laughs> nine right now. <laughs> He didn't like it. Okay, because this is what he says. Okay, uh, let me let me let me apologize to the listeners for a second. Yeah, because we already have gotten sidetracked about a minute <laughs> in thirty seconds. In. But um, we have talked about Enneagram before, and I, and the reason we keep talking about it is I think with our staff, it's not a fad right now for us because I think it's a, we, we've incorporated it so much. Very into, helpful. Yeah, it's very helpful. But what Mitch would say is you can't use the Enneagram as a sword, right, mm. to attack people or. Unless you're Enneagram 8, then you can, because that's what <laughs> oh, you're allowed to. Yeah, yeah that's, what that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say you won't do it. I said you shouldn't do it as yeah. a sword to attack people or as a shield Ooh. to say, oh, that's just who I am. Oh, I'm an right, eight. right. Can't, can't do that. Oh, you've been taking some Enneagram classes. I meet with Mitch. Uh, he's my therapist right now. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> he's taught me a lot, that I, guy. I cry a lot in those uh, sessions. He's taught me a I'm lot. I'm just kidding. But I think what I've done now is I have surpassed him in knowledge. And it's freaking them out a little bit. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mentors become the mentee. Yeah, like one of the Rocky movies. You know what I'm saying? Oh. You trained me, and now I'm younger, and I'm more, f- I'm I faster. Don't, I don't think know? that's any of the Rocky movies. Wow. Yeah, there's one where he trains the guy, you know, and then the guy wants to fight him. Was that Rocky 14? <laughs> <laughs> Which one was that? I don't know. One of them. I think okay. that yeah. you're making that up. Hey, Nick, the hey, tagline to this yeah. is... Uh, when Sundays are over? Well, we're talking about faith when Sundays are over. Yeah, did yeah. you think Sunday was ever going to end? Wow. <laughs> wow. That was a great setup. <laughs> when did you write that one? When did you write that joke? Sunday wow. when I was waiting for it to end. That is amazing. <laughs> All right, can I tell you two things real quick? First, before you do that, okay. this past Sunday, Matt taught about fear a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, you did a great job. Wow, you thanks. did do a great S- job. Su- such a great job. It was like four <laughs> sermons in one. <laughs> Matt spoke for almost fifty uh, minutes, and right. and we plan our services. He's like he's getting squirmy over there. <laughs> we I'm plan our right. service services for about sixty sixty five minutes, right? Total. That's with Total. everything. That's with everything. Total. Nick Carver did not get a sing. A song at the end. Yeah, for those that came to the second service or try to watch online, there was a gonna, there was going to be a song at the end that uh, that we cut. Wait a minute, are you saying I didn't hit my time? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what we're in for. Uh, okay, <laughs> I get it. I Do you have it. anything you want to? You said I've got two things. Well, some behind the scenes, maybe one. Okay. I told Amanda this. I'm not making excuses. 
But in our notes, right? Yeah. We tend to look at the word count because that kind of gives us an idea of where we will be. Like the manuscript that you make for your sermon? On average, I'm trying to hit between 21 and 2,400 words on on the outline. I only had 1,500 words. Okay. Yeah, your, your word count was not my the word issue. count was so low, but <laughs> I did you got a cu- passionate. Yeah, I did a couple of. I'm gonna put the notes down for a sec. Yeah, and that got me in trouble. Combined with just feeling a little feisty. Yeah, I was I feisty. Did, I texted. I texted Amanda. I said I might go fifty today, and uh-huh. I'm feisty. Yeah, I could feel it. So I was with her when she got that text, but she thought you were joking. <laughs> We all did. We, we hope we yeah. hope you were joking. Yeah, you did a good job, and a lot of people responded and said, "Man, I needed to hear that. That was good." So we're talking about that today. Yes. But what's great about this is it's not just you. Obviously, you can add more if mm-hmm. more insight that you had because I know there was stuff that that you weren't able to to get in the oh, message. Oh, I had more. Yeah, I had more. But also, we have perspective of Amanda. We have mm-hmm. my perspective, which is the best perspective as the host because I can ask whatever absolutely want to ask. Yeah. But I mean, you 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 tackled a, a subject. That is, it's pretty big, it's pretty heavy, and that's fear, right? Because we all face so many different levels of fear. So it's coming at us from so many angles. And I think the older we get, just there's more things to be afraid of, potentially. All right, but before we get into it today, we are going to do a little game that we call, what do we call it? (laughs) Um. (laughs) Summarize the sermon in 30 seconds or less. Amanda, begin. Okay, actually, I usually do summarize in 30 seconds, but I don't believe Matt can summarize anything in 30 seconds. Ooh. So, Matt, summarize your sermon in 30 now seconds. Now you have 20 seconds. Go. J- Jesus says, don't be afraid, even when you have something to be afraid of. You don't have to be afraid of anything because God isn't afraid of anything. And fear and love cannot coexist. And so if you're going to fulfill the mission God has called you to, you can't have fear. Wow. <laughs> wow. You still have time left. Wow. Wow. You know, you know what's powerful about this? Hold on. All right, now it's over. You know what's powerful? <laughs> now we know that you can say a lot in a short <laughs> amount of time. And yeah. that's 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 what we'll that's yeah. what we need to get It's not to. that he it's not that I can't do it. It's that I won't do it. Won't do it. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. I knew it was personal. Okay, so let's do this. We we don't want to recap. We've said this a, bu- a bunch of times in the last s- several episodes. If you want to, you need to go listen to the message, and that's on Rocky Messages, another podcast that's on Spotify and, and uh, Apple Music or podcasts, wherever you need to find it. So go listen to that. But I, I kind of want to dive into some of the things that you talked about, but kind of get right to some big questions, if that's if that's good, if that's okay with Deep you Deep end of the pool. Let's go. Okay, so this one's we're still dipping our foot in the water, but you talked about uh, what fear does to us when we experience it. Can you recap that a smidge? Uh, what what happens to us when we feel fear? Yeah. What are some of the results? Yeah, there's a whole lot more, but the ones I was picking on was we tend to do bad things when we're afraid or do things that don't really make sense, and yeah. we become mean. Um, when we're fear- fearful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we tend to get mean, and then we tend to focus on ourselves. So it's a lot of self-focus. Um, we, we tend not to be so nice. And then we, yeah, we just don't. Odds are you're not going to handle things the, the best way when you are afraid. You said something, and this is my paraphrase, because I was li- listening to the, the podcast and I, I jotted this down. But you, you basically said something like this. Fear takes our eyes off of the people that God calls us to. Yeah. So we stop thinking about other people. And our eyes shift towards us because it's like this self-preservation mode. Is that right? Yeah. 
with the kind of fear that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, there's something going on that's not making me feel how I want to feel. So now I'm, I'm just thinking about me right now Mm -hmm. and I'm not thinking about anyone else. And that's when we started doing some things, you know, that was kind of the on ramp to, you, you just really, you can't be a Christian and really do what God's asking you to do if you're, if you're fearful. Because obviously Jesus is calling us to be focused on others. Mm-hmm. But if you're afraid, you're going to be focused on yourself. So this is interesting. I went to a, a quarterly, a bunch of worship leaders in the in the Colorado, northern Colorado area get together. So we were just at that before we came to this podcast. And there was a speaker there. Um, his name is Brian Taylor. He works with the Slingshot Group. So this is his thing. I'm not stealing it from him. Or I am stealing it, but I'm going to give him credit. <laughs> and uh, he said this, and this, the, it, it, I didn't realize that it had, had something to do with what you're talking about until now. Mm. And he said this, people will violate their values to meet their needs. Mm-hmm. Mm. So people will violate the things that they hold, hold you know, important in order to get their needs met. And he said, you're on a diet, keto, whatever, you eat it all day long. It's 10 o'clock at night. You look in the pantry, and there's frosted flakes. And you, you know, you pour a big bowl of frosted flakes and you just, health is one of your values, but you're willing to violate that. Why? Because you're hungry. Mm-hmm. And I think when we're fearful, a lot of times we, like what you're saying is we get mean. We hurt people that are closest to us. Why? Because we are trying to meet a need that says, I, I need stability. I need to not be afraid anymore. I need to look out for number one because it seems like no one else is looking out for, for number one. Yeah. I use the example of toilet paper. Yes, you did. At the beginning of COVID. But there's other examples too. I I remember like when COVID was was happening, you remember the grocery store started putting signs up. Limit one per customer. Yeah. And I remember seeing that in the milk aisle. Mm -hmm. And I just, I I remember feeling something like, oh, this is, this is the world we live in. Yeah. Someone is coming in here buying so much milk that, that they had to go, you know what? You can only get one. Yeah. And, it's and it like, happens during it happened during COVID, but it actually happens in Colorado every snowstorm. <laughs> you yeah. can't get milk, you can't get eggs, you can't get bread. And I mean that's a way lower level fear, but I'm just saying, like, that's how instinct Yes. It, 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 instinctive we are with that. It's like, hey, something's gonna happen, I can't control, so I'm gonna and rather be than crazy. Then everyone having enough, I just need to make sure that I have yes. more than I need. It was funny. Yes. There's so many news articles out there too. What I was reading during that time were stories of like, uh, it was to show like, no, people are good. You know, there's good things. And it was a story about a guy who was like literally trying to buy, I'm going to exaggerate, 10 gallons of milk. And he like looked behind him and you could tell the guy was like, he didn't, he couldn't get any or something. Mm-hmm. He's like, you want one of mine <laughs> and now and it was like see and i'm like no you're proving my point still <laughs> like that yeah. dude wanted all the milk and and it you know because of his fear he's focusing in on himself well, what about the people who can't have milk not my problem you know i'm i'm taking care of myself and um yeah. so I, I liked how you you kind of poked fun at like human behavior and we all experience that as soon as I had a chance to buy toilet paper, I bought more than I needed, right? And it's like we're all guilty of that to, to some level. But I, we've talked about this in other episodes where it's like a lot of times when we we place our face, faith in Jesus, we were kind of, may, right or wrong, actually it's just wrong, we are kind of pitched this idea of, man, if you follow Jesus, life is easier. Yeah. And I could make an argument that's like that is true, but it doesn't mean that life is easy. 
So you kind of talked about this tension of the disciples. You, you specifically talked about the, the story of when they're in a boat, storm comes up, and they really legitimately feel like they're going to die. Mm-hmm. And so they're dealing with real fear. I, I think a lot of times our focus as Christians is avoiding things that are fear-inducing mm-hmm. as opposed to how do we deal with legitimate things that should legitimately cause fear? Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's not the absence of scary things. It's dealing with very real scary things in a way that uh, we don't have to be afraid. Yeah. Does that? I, I don't even know if that makes sense no, the way I, I worded that. It does because it causes some tension with the church. You don't. <clears throat> you don't even have to go out and, and you know to use kind of what you're saying. Find fear. Yeah. You don't even have to go out and put yourself in a fearful situation. Fear will find you. Yeah, it finds us. Mm-hmm. Right? And and I, I kind of leaned in. that This could be a whole other message, but we tend to be guilty as the church to really sugarcoat that. And we've got a lot of churchy answers and responses mm-hmm. from when we are dealing with, you know, fearful things. People are dying. People are sick. People are losing jobs. What are some of the things that we say? <sighs> Well, sometimes we make promises we can't cash. And I've talked about this before, but I remember one of the major things that stood out to me when my dad was really, really sick. I remember, you know, they brought him down from the church. They'd pray for him. And and there were people in the church saying, hey, God's going to heal your dad. Yeah. He's going to heal your dad. You watch. And then a couple months later, my dad passed away. Mm -hmm. And, And I was taking what they were saying, and I'm developing my idea of the character of who God is. So God doesn't let people die. Right. Is what you're kind of not his people. Right. Right. There's, and I remember thinking, well, if that, you know, cause I'm a Christian. So where's the perks? The perks mm. should be when, you know, your loved ones are sick, he heals them. Um, and I remember thinking, well, if this is what it's like to be like, then why be a Christian? Like yeah. what? And again, that's selfish. Like what am I getting out of it? Mm-hmm. Not really thinking beyond, you know, today and what's happening in my life there. But I think we do, we, we always, like, I'm okay with being a pastor and being a follower of Jesus and saying, I was just having this conversation with someone today. It's like, there's, they're in a situation, there's no way to sugarcoat this, that this is, this is, this is tough. And, and we have these things like, well, God redeems all things. He does. But that doesn't necessarily help in the moment. Sometimes mm-hmm. in the moment you go, this is not fun. We're having zero fun. I don't know how this is going to turn out for anybody's good, but this is life, right? And I think sometimes as, as Christians, part of our pitch is like, dude, follow Jesus. And again, I'm, I'm saying this, and I believe these things, but, you know, you'll be blessed and this, and you're going to have money stuff's going to be good. And, and it's like, and then when that's our presentation of the gospel and those people hit something that's really, really difficult, it's like, no, we, we have to be honest and real. You're going to go through things yeah. in this life that are difficult, and it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. I think too often we relate being a Christian with being a good person. That's what people look at. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why do bad things happen to good people? We hear that over and over, right? And I think ultimately, number one, we're not good apart from Christ. And number two, it just it doesn't work that it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know Matt references, you know, his dad passing away and I reference my cancer a lot. Those are probably the two big things in our life. But I remember when I got diagnosed and sitting in the room and telling D we have to be like, we're, we have to be good, whether this is good news mm. or bad news. Like our response has to be the same. Like God is still good in this no matter what. 
Um, and it's okay no matter what, but that's not an easy place to get to. So what's interesting about your stories though is, so Matt, your dad did not get well. He died. Mm -hmm. Amanda, you had cancer and you're here. Yeah. And I think one thing that we wrestle with is if we're honest is, well, does that mean Amanda was a more righteous person than your family, Matt? That's the kind of stuff that sometimes, that's that's behind the question. Why do bad things happen to good people? It is. And while I had cancer, we actually, there was a group here, like a cancer support group. And I was a part of that group. Every single person that was in that group with me is not alive today. And so that's hard stuff. It's mm-hmm. hard for me too. Like why, why am I alive? And all of those people died. Those are hard things to understand. Um, and those are hard questions to answer. And, and I would say, you know, what's interesting is, and I was poking at this on Sunday when I preached my 60 minute message is <laughs> I know when, what you're doing. You're trying to get us to say <laughs> it wasn't 60. No, oh, it's not, it's not. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Could have been, um, like, you know, because I was in Matthew, Matthew 10, Matthew 8. Go to Matthew 10, and Jesus, he doesn't hold back. I mean, he gives you, he's talking to the disciples 2,000 years ago, but he's saying to them, hey, here's what's to be expected. Here's all the bad things that are going to happen to you. Not, it's not if, it, it will. Like, some of you are going to get beaten. Some of you are going to get thrown in jail. Some of you are going to be, you know, you're going to die um, because of what I'm going to ask you to do. And, and I, I don't know 2000 years ago, how many Christians were having a conversation about, you know, should we, or should we not follow God or or do we believe God exists because bad things happen? Right. Like bad things were just happening to everybody. Yeah. And I think, and Jesus showed up and goes, Hey, you guys know bad things happen. Right. And everyone's like, yes. He's like, well, let me give you some hope. And, And he's talking about things, not just that you can experience in this life, but in the next. And, and he's offering something that, that will bring some relief in the moment, but relief for eternity. And I think what's happened is 2,000 years later as Christians, and I, I kind of said this too, and as rich Christians, mm-hmm. we really struggle with dealing with those tensions that still exist, and we want to like talk them out. We want to wish them away. And it's... Again, it, it's I don't say it obviously when at funerals, but I've been at funerals where there are Christians who are acting as if they've just pre- been presented with the idea of death. Mm. Mm. What is this? Yeah. And they're freaking out and they're questioning. And I'm going, you're not living in the real world. There are people dying all over the world, but I think we've created a buffer between, you know how we live as rich people who have access to great medical care, who make money, who live in homes, who drive cars, who don't have to worry about food and, and how the rest of the world is living. It's like most things that we or our family encounters can be fixed. Yes. Most things. Yes. And when we run into, we can't fix this. We begin to spin out. Yeah. And that was kind of what I was saying about COVID. We, it didn't take much. Mm -hmm. And I'm not making light of COVID. But it didn't take much to really see people really spin out. And we could all talk about certain narratives of people who we love where we would go, I can't believe people were making these kind of decisions during COVID. And I go, well, when you, when you look at people who feel like they're in control and all of a sudden there's something they can't control, 
for some reason, we're all running to the grocery store now buying 50 packs of toilet paper. Yeah. We don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And we're only really presented with some of those tensions in the really difficult things in our culture. You know, my dad tragically died. Amanda (laughs) has cancer. We didn't go looking for it. Mm -hmm. That's just life. And we, we just, as church people, it just, I don't know. It's like, we're not willing to live in that tension. We just, we'll give you churchy answers and you move along. And I think we do people a a disservice. And when you present a gospel that doesn't exist, those early Christians were not thinking, you know, especially after the resurrection, man, I'm going to get in, in on this because I want to be a millionaire and live a, a very safe But life. let's talk about that. This is interesting, though, because it, wouldn't it be human nature? Okay, say you're one of the disciples following Jesus. You're in a boat. Storm comes up. It happens a lot in that area, yeah. right? That's a dangerous thing that can happen. Uh, it, and it's a, it's, a, it's a big body of water. We might not think about it you know, that way, but it is huge. And if you capsize, you're going to die, mm-hmm. right? So p- people probably die on this, um, in, in this body of water a lot. Jesus steps in, calms the storm. Wouldn't it, isn't it natural for, for them to say, this is what happens now. When a storm comes up, Jesus says, shh, and the storm calms down. So now we're on easy street. Like we've got the guy, we've got the savior that anytime we're in danger is going to step in and make the danger go away. Like that's human nature, right? Yeah. So they were in that- for a rude awakening when Jesus is like, no, 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 no. It's not going to happen like this every time. In fact, I promise you, you will have trouble. See but that? we live in that. Well, no, go ahead. We live in that same world. I was about to say before you said that that that's the thing about this idea of fear for us and our human nature, and we keep bringing up the toilet paper thing for some reason. Yeah. But fear is so cyclical, right? So it's like we go buy a ton of toilet paper, and that relieves people's fear for a brief amount of time. That's something we can control. But then five minutes later, yeah. it's like we're on to the next thing. So I think the same thing applies to that. Yes, maybe for a, a moment, you know, they thought that, but I, I don't think we think that way, whether it was 2000 years ago or, or today. And because Jesus does things in our lives every single day yeah. to take away fears that we don't even think about or know or, or realize, but we don't give credit to that the mm-hmm. next time that we go into a situation. Right. I don't know. I would say our automatic response is to live in fear instead of live in in faith. I don't mm-hmm. know. And I didn't have enough time to talk about this on Sunday. <laughs> oh boy. But somebody wrote me an email and was asking like that kind of question. And I said, Hey, just a, a different point of view. What if the point of the story in Matthew chapter eight has nothing to do with those guys thinking that Jesus is going to relieve all the tension points of fear in their life? Because that's what we think it is, or that's mm-hmm. what we take away from it. And I go, I don't think that's what he was trying to teach them. What he was trying to teach them is that there are things that, that bring fear to our lives. And you don't have to be afraid because guess what? Jesus is bigger than all those things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a, guys, I'll take care of all the stuff. You get sick, I'm going to heal you every time. Next time, Because all but one of those guys will be martyred for the faith. I don't think that's the lesson and I think their culture kind of dictates that. Like, see, we, we read something that happened 2,000 years ago, and we want to take and go, hey, the point is, is Jesus is going to heal everybody everywhere, 
and we will never have sickness and we're never going to drown in a boat. And I go, I don't think that's the point of what Jesus is trying to make. And when he doesn't, we don't want anything to do with that's Jesus. That's right. I think yeah. what Jesus is trying to teach us guys is he's going, guys, isn't life scary? And they're all like, yes, we just thought we were about to drown. And, he, and then Jesus goes, guess what? You don't have to be afraid because I'm bigger than all those things. What he doesn't take away is still some of the scary consequences that happen in life. And, and the biggest one is death. I mean, that's what they were freaking out about, which is why I think, I keep going back to the resurrection, which is why you see some of the guys who are leading in the early church, and at least the stories we have and the other writings you can read in history, they read like they're not afraid of anything. And I always, and I go, well, if you saw a dead guy come back to life, it wasn't that they go, we're not, we're not ever going to die now. That's never something they took. Hey, we're never going to go through hardship. It's never something they took. They just knew that when they saw Jesus defeat all of that, that wasn't going to be the end for them. And I think that's the point. And you talked about how, you know, one of the the main points of your message was more like, hey, God wants us to be more, I think at one point you said more afraid of eternal issues. I think we like focused Mm -hmm. on those things than uh, the issues that affect j- just right now. Cause More afraid of the guy in the boat than the yeah. like what's happening around them. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's hard to wrap your head around sometimes because this, is, this life is all we really know, right? Yeah. So, and, and naturally, I mean, even the way God created us was to want to avoid pain, right? Like we don't want to cut our fingers off when we're like <laughs> cooking in the kitchen. You know, mm-hmm. like we're, we are wired to want to avoid pain, but ultimately that is not what we are designed or created for we're created for more than that right mm-hmm. and i think that was that was one of the points you're saying is hey when you're too wrapped up into i don't want to be hurt i don't want to get sick i don't want to die it's like you're, you're yes those are all understandable but that is not what you need to be focusing all your your energy ultimately into right there's more not just in because that's that tension i've had some people you know walk you know walk away from some of these messages and they're like oh it's doom and gloom it's and i'm going no it's reality mm-hmm. and there's a reason why you got two campus pastors here who've been through some stuff in their life and we still love jesus mm-hmm. and we still laugh but i think we're also okay to still cry and and to look at these moments and go life is is hard but that is ultimately the path to rise above all those things yes and i think my path that I want to take is I want to avoid all pain, all sickness, all whatever. I want to avoid it all. That is not the path. It's impo- rising above that. It's impossible. Yeah. But if you live like it is possible, imagine how traumatic it will be mm. when that, that reality of life does hit. Mm-hmm. Right? We, we're, we are not immune to the, the difficulties of life and the decisions that people are making around us. I could drive back home today, and there's a drunk, drunk driver driving on the other side of the road who hits me and kills me. Yeah, That could happen. And does that mean anything less of who God is? No. That's a reality of the world we live in. We've been given free will. And, and I, you know, I hope, I think people would be sad. Like, dang, mm-hmm. that was sad. Um, but that, that just, those things happen, you know yeah. what I mean? You hope people are sad. But you hope people don't go to, hey, I don't love Jesus anymore because Matt 
got killed by a drunk driver. Yeah, and I yeah. hope you guys aren't scared to drive your car every time right. you you drive. Like, I don't want to live that life. Yeah. Right. I want to live life to the fullest, knowing that ultimately God's God's got it. And if I die, I believe and there's something more. So this is an interesting conversation with one of my kids. We were in the basketball season and she was talking, they, they were making it. Uh, actually, they didn't make it to the, like the semifinals and all that kind of stuff. So this is early in the playoff tournament. And uh, McLaren, she doesn't listen to the podcast, so I can I can use her name. Uh, she was just saying, man, I really hope God makes us win mm. in the championship spoken like a true athlete so then you're 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 you're, you're pro- processing this and it's it's so easy if if someone's like hey can you pray that i win this game it's so easy from my perspective to be like i don't think that's the way god works right mm-hmm. the, the most obvious thing is what about the other team <laughs> right <laughs> everyone's praying that they exactly win. and she was saying and i was just talking about how you know uh you know Sean talked about this a few weeks ago, like sometimes you learn more when you lose. And basically she said almost verbatim how I remember it. What good can come from me losing? (laughs) You know, like why wouldn't God want me to win the championship? And she's being so, I love that honesty and I love that perspective because ultimately that's the way I think about life. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't verbalize it that way. But I think when we hear someone talk about that, it's so crystal clear to say for you to win all the time is not ideal. Yeah. And, like an adult version of that prayer is, God, I just don't want to deal with hardship or... I, like, I want the raise at work. That's right. I want the promotion. I want the... Yeah. And again, that's not real life. And as a Christian, you don't you don't get access to God being a genie. He just, you know, takes away all the tensions in yeah. the world. You know, we, we do say things like, hey, God is in the midst of all things. He redeems things for, for his good. We've said that in this series. I do mm-hmm. believe it to be true. I think what sets us apart as Christians to go, hey, when we... When we run into these difficult times, it's not necessarily we get over it or, or you know, act like it doesn't exist. We work through it, right? Through faith, knowing that hey, we keep moving forward, and and our faith help helps us to persevere and endure. It also allows us, I think, to have this connection point with with others who who don't know Jesus, yeah. right? Who see how we respond and how we react, not in a not in an acting way, but in a, a real way, right? Because the truth is, um, you know, we all have kids. If one of our kids passed away today, do you think tomorrow that I would be, you wouldn't want me on this podcast? Yeah. That's real life. Right. Now, I would hope that I would work through that and eventually get to a place that, you know, that I'm just loving God. and, and But I'm also a dad. Mm-hmm. And that would hurt and that would sting. And you bet I would have a lot of questions that a lot of people ask me when they're going through difficult times. And I don't know, always know how God redeems it. I don't always know how he does it for his good, but I do know that he will. And I also know there's a bigger narrative at play that, man, my hope is not found in this world. And good thing, because if it was, then I would be devastated every time it doesn't go the way that I think it should. Oh, God didn't let me win the championship. Well, you know, there goes my hope. It's like, no, there's a bigger thing here. And I think the other thing, too, that's been interesting for me is, yeah, my dad did die when I was young. And I, I love that, um, that that is kind of part of my story. Um, now, if you're like, hey, if your dad could be alive, would you, would you want to be alive? A thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. 
but you know how many times, you know, over the last 25 years where I've had the opportunity to meet with somebody else whose parent died and I get those phone calls and I, I love that because I knew what it was like when I was in the room and I had a bunch of people, predominantly Christians trying to tell me they know how, how I feel when their dad's across the room. Right. And I'm going, you have no idea how I feel. And I love that I can walk into the room and I can say to a 12 year old kid, dude, I know exactly where you're at. Yeah. And I know the questions you're probably asking and the fears that now exist. And that's what we're talking about when we're saying we, we, we say that God can redeem things. It doesn't mean that he makes it like, oh, this is the way I prefer life. I prefer my dad to have passed away. No, it, it, it doesn't like right that wrong in that way. Yeah. But he brings value to it. Yeah, and if you want to know how God, I, how God feels towards those things, you just look 2,000 years ago when Jesus was crucified. Mm-hmm. That's how God feels about it. Well, I think that constantly what, the way I view the world and the way most people do is we want a Savior that can help us. I, I said this earlier, but win, avoid pain, mm-hmm. succeed, all that stuff. And the, the, the nature of the gospel, which one on one hand is so obviously good news. But for a lot of us, it's actually bad news when it's, when it's saying, hey, the point was he came and identified with every pain that we could ever imagine. So he knows our pain. That's not as great of a, you know, it's, it's, I would rather come as the, the victor, right? Well, we know the gospel and it was through that pain and through the suffering, through the death that ultimately he claimed victory. But that's not the gospel that we necessarily want. Yeah. And he doesn't always take it away in this right. moment or, you know, in our life uh-huh. now. So it's funny. I'm not a super fearful person. I mean, obviously I have fears, but, and we're talking about, you know, big fears of things happening, but when our daughter Chloe was about six years old, she developed this fear of thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. Mm. And this is the thing. We can all say like, hey, I'm scared of spiders. You scream, you stomp on the spider, right? I'm scared of thunderstorms. Like I, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm scared of the thunder. What level was she? This was like a fear I've never experienced. I, I, it was crazy. Like not just a little bit scared, like crazy, crazy fear. Fear that I couldn't talk her out of, couldn't calm down, couldn't um, fear on a whole nother mm-hmm. level. Like thunderstorm would start coming and everyone, like everyone at her school, her teachers, her, it was like, oh boy, here we go. Buckle up. This is bad. And she couldn't control it. And I remember one time this thunderstorm has happened and it's bad. It's raining, hailing, thundering, lightning. We're at home. And Chloe is like a psycho child and not in a, <laughs> sorry, Chloe. I know it, it's weird. Cause it was kind of crazy to be honest, but it was also this, this is going to sound really weird, but it was also a super spiritual moment, but literally she's like seven years old. I'm trying to tell her like, it's okay. I'm trying to pray with her. And she is running around our house and she is conversing with God. I mean, yelling at him, like make it stop Oh wow! crying out to him, like having this whole thing. We couldn't intervene. It was like, this is between you and God, and she is conversing with him on a whole nother level with a fear on a whole nother level yeah. that's like, hey, as a parent, you're out of this. <laughs> and we just had to sit and watch this whole thing unfold. She finally like came to a point where she calmed down, and she's, she's having a conversation, a normal conversation with God prayerfully. But crazy stuff 
and like fear on a whole nother level. Like I said, that I've never still don't understand to this day. She actually can't explain it, can remember like going through that process, but it's not going away. Yeah. It's still storming. She can't control any bit of when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. I mean, she'd be at school seeing the clouds and it was like, oh boy, here it comes. And mm-hmm. couldn't control her emotion out of that fear. And I, I how mean, did she, how did she work through it? How did she? It was the longest process ever. And okay. that's the thing. We, we didn't like, we could talk about it. You couldn't rationalize it. Couldn't make it go away. She literally years of processing, working through it, um, just kind of growing out of it. Mm-hmm. And cognitively being in a place where she could understand, like, this isn't something I can control or make go away or um, whatever. But it was a process and a weird process. And that's Mm -hmm. a weird twist to, like, this idea of fear. But same concept. You can't, like, why wouldn't God want me to win? Why wouldn't he just want this to not happen? Why wouldn't he calm that storm like that? Why does he want this to happen when I have this huge, huge fear of this thing? And, I mean... I don't know. I, I don't know that we've talked about so, it deeply in this moment. I think I can speak into that for, for my, me personally. Yeah. So we, we talk Enneagram every so often. And I know there's a ton of people out there that are skeptics. And it's okay for them to be skeptical. So I identify as a, a Enneagram 6. And uh, real quick, fear is a big part of an Enneagram 6. You're a whatever. What if, like what if this happens? <laughs> yeah. So often the way I view life is identifying dangers or just sometimes it's not this danger. Sometimes just identifying potential bummers, right? Like what could go wrong today? That would just be a bummer. I mean, it's not always life and death, but I was talking to Mitch who's on staff and he's, he's trained to be an Enneagram coach and he's been doing some coaching with our staff. Super, super cool. And we were talking about this last Thursday and he's just asking me questions. I'm answering it. And this analogy popped in my, my, my mind and I shared it with him and maybe uh, Chloe can relate ultimately, but mm-hmm. I said, okay, you know those moments when it's middle of the night and you hear something in the house? And for me and my family, we just know it's it's my job to deal with it, right? Amanda's not going to get out of bed and go figure out what the, like, it's my job. I know that. What I don't want to do is to go face whatever made that noise, but I have to, right? Because mm-hmm. I want to I want to protect my family and I ultimately I need to figure out what this, I need to resolve this danger. So the feeling that you have walking around the house with what do you, you have a golf club, a gun. I don't know what you have. You don't want to turn the lights on because you don't want to spook the burglar or whatever. And every door, every closet, every shower curtain that you have to pull away and you don't know what's on the other side, that feeling, that like anxiety, that like, dude, something's about to happen. I said, I feel that every day. Wow. And Mitch is like, huh? <laughs> now does that mean i'm terrified every moment of every day absolutely not but there's that sense of anxiety i don't know what's a hap what's about to happen and i want to get ahead of it Mm -hmm. to resolve it but for me it's my faith that has made Mm -hmm. all the difference why because i know that i have one i have a savior that knows every anxiety every uh, you know, potential pain out there, every threat, he knows all that. So he knows exactly how I feel, but also his promise that he's saying, Hey, in life, you're going to face troubles, but don't worry. Cause I've overcome the world. Right. I, I know that ultimately all things work together for, for the good of those that, you know, love the Lord. like all these promises of, of God 
help me in those moments of fear, help me in those moments of potential disappointment, all that kind of stuff. It's like, but what, what happens, Matt, to your point is in that moment, I'm focusing on eternal things. Like what helps me is I focus on mm-hmm. eternal things. Yeah. Even if something bad happens, I know that ultimately God has my back. That's, that's what, so when I say, you know, yeah. how did Chloe resolve? I don't know what her story is. Well, now as an adult, right, yeah. who loves and follows Jesus, yes, she can more easily resolve that, you know, conflict yeah. of what's happening. But as a kid, she couldn't. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But why does God let those, why does, why does God let the storm continue? Mm-hmm. It could be because he wants her to develop this relationship with him that says, even though the storm didn't stop, right, you were okay. Yep. Ultimately, you're okay. The, the only pathway to, to feeling okay about life was not the storm has to stop. It's no, 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 you're going to endure the storm, but I'm, I'm right there with you. By the way, I think she's a six also. Oh, yeah. When you're saying <laughs> that, I'm like, yeah. She's a six. Yeah. <laughs> I'm married to a six, so. Yeah? Yeah, as you're talking. So just keep that in the back of your mind. I shared that with, with Amanda, my wife. Uh, the other day, she's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Who's an eight? What's funny is Mitch was then like, okay, so think back about times when you were completely at peace. Like, wh- what what did that day look like? I'm like, I don't I don't know if there is a day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking, looking forward, forward to, to a day. That. You know, and it, ultimately, I think all these what if questions or, you know, why does God heal some people and not others? And what good can possibly come out of this person dying and all that stuff? I think ultimately what we're, cra- what we're craving is... New heaven, new earth. Like we're we're craving heaven. We're create. We're craving what a God initially designed, and it's just we're not there yet. So we're craving something that does not exist right now. Yeah, and also again, it's just helpful to be reminded. And I'm trying to find different ways to say what I'm about to say, um, because it's hard. I think it's hard for us to to go back two thousand years ago, and I think it, you know, in Matthew chapter eight, and go, Jesus is not trying to teach his guys, guys, if you follow me, life's going to be peachy and it's just all kicks and giggles and you won't ever, you're going to be, have money and you, no, he's preparing them for this missional movement. Like, and what he's saying is it's going to be tough. What I'm going to ask you to do is going to be really, really difficult. And some of you guys are going to have stories where you are martyred for the faith. You're going to be arrested. So I'll, I'm, I'm kind of like giving you reps of, of fearful things here. But I'm telling you, you don't have to be afraid. Yeah. Because if you choose to be afraid, you're never going to do or participate in the calling God has on your life. Mm. And and he's not saying, like, I don't know. I think in our world, we want to receive things and go, how do I get all the bad things out and all the tension yeah. out? And, <laughs> and I go, that's not even the point Jesus was making. Right. If anything, he tells you the truth. Yeah. But it's like we don't read our Bibles because we could take any biblical character in the New Testament, and I'm not sure you would be like, that's the life I want to live. Yeah, look, <laughs> Good point. Look at Paul. Yeah. Look at Paul. No, I don't want to live his life. Dude was stoned. They <laughs> yeah, thought he was dead. I don't dead. want that. They walked away because they thought he was dead. I mean, yeah. look at Peter, who, who historians say was crucified upside down. I mean, no, you're not going to be like, yeah. And the reason why we got to own that and the reason why we feel that is because our our worldview is much different. Our whole worldview probably isn't, we got to take this gospel to the ends of the world. Most of our worldviews are, I want to be as safe mm. and comfortable as mm-hmm. possible. The perspective is different. But we take that and we read these stories and we quickly go, well, why does God heal some people, doesn't heal others? 
Why did God stop that storm? But he doesn't stop. It's like, I don't think that was the point. I don't think Jesus is trying to say what we, what we want him to say. Well, we hold on to, you're right. We hold on to the parts of, of scripture that are like, what is going to make us safe and secure? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what we say. Hey, God's word says this, but it actually, it says this too. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. It does, yeah. It's not, you don't have to work too hard to create that tension because for every story in the New Testament where Jesus heals somebody, how many people did he walk mm-hmm. by he didn't heal? Yeah. Thousands. That's tough. Right. Or if we just want to create tension, I say this all the time, like in our culture, when somebody faces that moment, like, oh, this isn't going to go the way that I wanted it to. And that happens in a variety of different ways. It's like, I can create that tension in you right now. All we have to do is get in a car and drive down to the kids cancer ward downtown. Yeah. And no one's going to sit in that place and go, this feels good. We we just don't have to deal with that every day. Yeah. There, why? Because we have more than what we need. You know, we, we live a pretty comfortable life. And so our interactions with that reality of the world is less than the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is when you, and I said this, like when you go to Kenya and you sit with somebody who, who has nothing, they tend to, you know, why is it? I mean, they have more joy and, and peace. Mm. And you're sitting there and going, how is that possible? It, their worldview is much different. And how they read the New Testament and the stories of Jesus is much different. It, it's, it's almost a pure form. You know, when you got nothing, well, then it's really easy to be focused on what the mission that God has called you to. Okay, so here's a question, and we're almost, we're almost out of time. But uh, in, I don't know how you guys want to answer this. Um, you can both answer With the truth, Nick, I'm going to tell you the truth. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> okay, so most of our listeners are going to be people that are going to fit in the category of we are rich. And we, we were blessed, but we still have fear. So that's the people you're talking to, right? You're not talking to, the, for most listeners with kids in the, in the cancer ward, you're not talking to people that are in Kenya right now that literally almost have nothing. So why should I not be afraid? I'd love for you to answer that question. There's plenty of things that we should be afraid of that, does, that do cause fear, but why should we not be afraid? From a Christian point of view, this was the end of the message, and this could be a whole nother series, but Jesus says, and a lot of New Testament writers says, is that fear and love cannot coexist. Mm. So as a follower of Jesus, I can't say I can love people and and do that in a way where fear is still there. You know, they almost say, hey, you can have one or the other, but you can't have both. And, And again, you know, it's... I. I was saying to someone the other day, it's like, hey, if you're afraid to get on a plane and go travel to Kenya, then maybe that's actually the thing you should do. Mm. So you can begin to work through that fear and to know there's there's something to learn. Right? So the you're, love that's going to drive you to Kenya is going to help you overcome that fear. Yeah. It, it's a rep through, and this is what Jesus is doing in Matthew 8. I think he's putting, giving his guys a rep of, guys, here's how you can choose not to be afraid. Your perspective has to change. It's like the, you know, it's, hey, why not? Why shouldn't you be afraid? Well, because every time you choose to be afraid or you allow fear into your life, you're robbing yourself of something far greater. And Jesus does the worst case scenario with his guys. What Guys, what's the worst that could happen? Well, we could die. And then a couple of chapters later, he comes back from the dead and they, and they all go, oh, we don't have to be afraid of that either. It's like, it wasn't a conversation of will bad things happen, bad things will happen. 
I just don't be afraid of it because I already went through in my mind what's the worst that could happen. And I think what's tough for me is do I actually believe that to be true? That's where I wrestle with. Do I, I mean, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I go, do I really believe in the most difficult moments of my life that I don't have to be afraid? Easier said than done, but when we choose not to, we communicate something to a world that's far different than what they live in. And I'm choosing something else, right? You can choose fear, or you can choose another fruit of the Spirit that's far better. Mm-hmm. So, Amanda, how would you answer? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I love Jesus, and I love my, my life with Jesus and not living in fear and that, but I'll answer from a different perspective of maybe a time in my life when I wasn't walking with Jesus. And I think um, through a lot of things that I've been through in my life, just abusive stepmom, um, just probably not realizing and knowing how to have a, a good, healthy relationship coming from a family that had a lot of divorce. Um, it leads you to kind of build a life of fear. You're always fearing like rejection, fearing what's going to happen next, but learning to trust, um, in my marriage, in my relationships, trust in God. So just the emotional, taxing that it takes to live in a place of fear rather than a place of trust. Living in trust is freedom. And so I would just say I would rather live in a place of trust every day, all day, um, because it's exhausting to live in just a posture of fear. Yeah. So. Hey, Nick. Yeah, Matt. Next time you think there's a robber in your house, (laughs) just call. Are you Amanda. gonna give me back my grandpa's golf just, clubs that I gave you? Just call Amanda and I. We'll come over. We'll search the house. Are you for gonna you. give me back my grandpa's? And after we search, I'll go <laughs> all clear. <laughs> you're gonna you're give him <laughs> back your grandpa's golf club? Is that what yeah. you said? Yeah. Do you have he a took, golf club? He that you? took my grandpa's golf clubs nine years ago. Isn't that true? You gave them. Who to did? Me. Nick Matt. had a yard sale. He had a yard sale. They were for sale. And <laughs> did you buy them? Yeah. No, you didn't buy them. I gave them to you. Well, I said, oh, you hey. gave them to him. Yeah, no, gave him he to took them. Well, Did you give them to better. him? Or it he sounds better if you say he took them. They were okay. for sale at the right. yard sale, and I said, hey, I like these. You said, oh, just take them. Yeah. You know what Matt's biggest fear this week was, on a non-serious note? What was that Amanda was going to win Coach of the Year, and Matt wasn't. And was there any no, validity? I didn't was have there a, any validity to that fear? I didn't have a fear. I didn't have a fear that Amanda would win it because that wasn't even a possibility in my mind. <laughs> okay. I had another fear that I would not win it again this year. Okay. And I worked through it. Did you win? No. <laughs> well, who won? Amanda. <gasps> yeah. That's yeah. the wrong one. That's the best sound you got. That's about I don't all think I, I have any sounds that are positive. I yeah. think they're all <laughs> negative. Oh. Hey, this one's here we go. This what? one's for Matt. Mm. I know I need a I need a good Amanda Rohrbaugh yeah, wins coach of the year. You know what's funny? 2022. Nobody would tell me. You didn't tell me. You knew I was scared. You didn't text me. Amanda <laughs> I was scared to tell me. you. Sean Moore as a lead pastor wouldn't text me. But my wife at 8 30 that night when she got home, she said, Hey. I said, Yeah, what's up? I'm thinking it's gonna be, you know. It had that it had that vibe like, ooh, this we're about to have a conversation. She said, Did you hear what happened tonight? I said, No. She said, Amanda Robaugh won coach of the year. <laughs> and I started laughing because I was told that could never happen. And I was you, like, you, you were told it was against the rules. Yeah. Like staff could have Here's the thing. Not here's that it the thing. <laughs> so funny. Amanda's coaching ability and commitment overrode the rules. Whew. Wow. 
Thanks. I'm, I'm going to edit this out. Thanks, Nick nope. Carver. Leave it in. Yeah, I am. Leave it in. I am. Hey, guys, thanks for uh, your input. You guys, you're smart people. You have wow. good experience in the world, and what you have to say helps. Oh, every Nick time, Carver. Every I love so it. Nice. No, every time you say something like that, yeah. you're, you're smirking the you whole time. Are. No, I, I love it. I give you guys compliments, and you look at me so <laughs> suspiciously. <laughs> like, uh, you don't believe anything I'm saying, and then I'm about to, I'm about to, the, the other shoe's going to drop. Yeah. I'm, yeah, wait, I'm waiting it? for the punchline. I'm where waiting for it? the punchline. Because even though you live in the world of the what ifs, Nick uh-huh. Carver, you're you're very punchy. Punchy? Funny. It's uh, You've always got a joke. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny? Yeah, tell me. No, check this out. <laughs> um, Enneagram sixes, five wing, self-preservation sixes are often witty. Mm-hmm. And they use humor to help mm. um, create safety. Oh, okay. I'm not You're putting like, this in. I'm, you, this, I'm you, editing this out also. Do you think that's a robber down there? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you keep saying you're editing Hey, robber. Yeah. Hey, robber. <laughs> hey, robber. I'm upstairs. Hey, robber. You want to hear a joke? <laughs> Guess what? I'm an Enneagram 6. No, this is why. You tell a joke, and if you hear a giggle, you know exactly where the robber is. <laughs> you're like, and they're shooting that direction. He starts laughing. You're like, got him. <laughs> Joke's on you. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, hey, right. don't be afraid, dude. Don't be afraid. It's okay, Nick. Man, that's great advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Matt, real quick. Yeah, what's yeah. our tagline? When Sundays and faith is not enough. When, when you talk about your faith, when Sundays are over. Thank yeah. you, Amanda. Oh, good job. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Well, thanks again for joining us on Rocky Unscripted. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can go to rocky.church slash this week. And no matter when you're listening, it'll always be up to date. We love to connect with you and love to serve you as much as we can. Please share the podcast, rate us, review us. That helps us be seen by more and more people. Love you guys. and We'll catch you next time.